Good morning, people of God. We have a new mic situation this morning, so things are a little bit different. But I am glad to be here. Are you guys glad to be here this morning? All right, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Um, <laughs> I am John Thomas, the pastoral resident, not the pastor. I am not the pastor. I'm training. But I have the privilege this morning of breaking the bread of life with you, diving into God's word. And, and it really is a privilege. The text uh, this morning is going to be Isaiah 52. And it's verses 1 through 7. As you guys find that, I just want to welcome you guys that are here. Those of you that might be new, remember to fill out one of those connect cards. We want to know about you. And feel free to go to the website, see what's going on. There's a lot happening right now. So check that out. There's connect groups going to be starting up soon. All of those kind of things. So check that out. We'd like to be meeting up with you and connecting with you. If you have your Bibles opened up, go ahead and say amen. amen. All right, let's read. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem, loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord, my people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrians oppressed them for nothing. Now therefore what have I here, declares the Lord. Seeing that my people are taken away for nothing, their rulers well, declares the Lord. And continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are your people. Lord, and you have comfort for us. Lord, comfort us. Let us see, know, and understand your comfort. God, you are the one who reigns. God, and you know what we are up against. You know what we face. May we know your comfort. May we rest in it. Lord, may your word find a place in the heart of your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. Eight years ago, every news station was inundated with a story of redemption. It was a young lady who had been held captive, and somehow she made her way to freedom. Amanda Berry, 
She was kidnapped and held captive for 10 long years. But in 2013, she escaped from her captors. But those were 10 years of pain. 10 years of oppression and injustice. Where could she go for comfort? There's a similar question in the book titled, Idolize. It's a book that talks about us facing our deepest desires. And in this book, a woman is contemplating turning down her drug of choice. And as she contemplates that, she has a question. She wants to know that if she does not self-soothe, would God just leave her in her pain? That, that's a question for us. Can God really comfort me? See, pain is all around us. And if we're honest, we're, we're in one of three places. We're either just coming out of pain, about to get into pain, or smack dab in the middle of it. And just like Amanda Berry, we long to be free. But when we're self-medicating with the created things of the world, it's going to leave us empty and leave us wondering, can God truly comfort me? See, our text this morning is going to show that God offers comfort. He gives comfort. But it's not to everybody. See, we're going to find out who he comforts. In verses 1 and 2 here of 52, the writer opens up and he's calling them to awake. He says, awake, awake, put on your strength, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. There shall be no more coming into you the uncircumcised or the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter. He's saying this to people who are, who are weak, ragged, violated. These are people at the bottom, stressed and held as captives. So you have to ask, how could he tell them, put on strength, walk in freedom? How could he say that? See, just the chapter ahead, we have the Israelites calling out to God. This is, what they, this is what they say to him. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. They're telling him, God, you put on strength. We need to see you as the God who reigned back then, back generations ago. They go on to say, was it not you who opened up the Red Sea? Was it not you who dried up the depths of the sea so that the redeemed people of God could pass through? See, they were aware of their pain. Enough to be able to call out to the one who's able. See, it, this, this place that they were in is a place of 
uncomfortableness. This is pure pain. And, and the way that God answers them is not the way we expect. Sometimes it will be a time of waiting. See, he wanted to get them. God wanted his people to be in a place where they have exhausted all means. And that is important because those people who have exhausted all means, they realize that what they had been turning to does not work. They realize that they need something outside of themselves. Something that's going to give them the solution to their problem. See, there was a lady in the Bible who had an issue of blood and Jesus happened to be passing through. And she knew that that was the person she needed. She knew that Jesus had the healing that she needed. There was only one thing that made her aware of that. That was her suffering for 12 years, spending every dime she had at the hospitals, giving doctors all her money to not be helped. She was at her wit's end. Sometimes God allows us to get to a place where we don't have the crutches of money, we don't have the crutches of people and best friends. He gets us to that place where we realize that our only hope, our only comfort is him. And that's where they are. They know that if he does not help, there will be no help. And his message to them is this. He tells them, put on strength. Arise from the bottom. Take your place and walk in freedom. But that's not their situation. They don't have the power to just walk free. How can he call them to that? He can call him to that because he is about to deliver a promise. Yeah, yeah. He's about to give them some comforting news. He's going to give them the comforting news that makes everything he called them to a reality. Yeah. He is the God who speaks. And right now he's speaking and he's letting them know that their uncomfortable situation has gotten his attention. And, and like us, we feel the pain of ours, our own situation. See, they had that, that dissonance, that, that pain of knowing God has promised something here, but my current reality does not match up with his promise. That's a painful place that will lead you to seek the face of the one who can give you comfort. Somebody in here this morning might feel like, I'm not oppressed. I'm not in captivity. I'm not at the bottom. But I'll tell you, just take a look around. We don't believe our political figures. We can't trust our government. The news is saying one thing today, and then they're saying something opposite tomorrow. We're divided on COVID issues. It gives this feeling or a sense of being harassed and helpless. 
There are some today that are deconstructing their faith because of hurt that they experienced in the church that has not been comforted. Many of us are too weak. We don't have the power to produce the actions of holiness that we want to see in our own lives. Nor can we do it in the lives of our children. Maybe you're not held in physical captivity. But is there an addiction that's holding you captive? Are you oppressed by insecurities? Are you struggling with anxiety? See, all of these things are going on at a time when we have overextended schedules and we're in the age of distraction. All of this can be characterized by the experience of pain, characterized by the word of pain. And a lot of times when we're here, it feels like God is a million miles away. It makes us question, is he even there? Will he comfort me? But where does your pain drive you? Is it driving you to temporary comfort? I'll tell you, don't go with the comforts of this world. They will numb you to what's going on. And it can prolong your situation because as long as it is numbing you, you don't really feel the situation enough to know where to find comfort. Enough to know that all other means have been exhausted. See, God heals what we feel. There is not a, a prayer that God answers that we did not ask. Now, sometimes he can answer something for us that we we realize later was something that we needed. But the stories of testimonies that we hear in Scripture, that we hear from others, are stories of desperation, stories where only God could help. And people who have gone to him over time. See, it's important that we feel the pain of the situation. See, Psalms 34 and 18 says that he is near to the brokenhearted. Matthew 5 and 4 says that those that mourn will be comforted. He does not say that to the proud. He does not say that to the strong. He does not say that to the arrogant. Why? Why would he? Because they don't need comfort. At least they don't realize it. Have you ever tried to help somebody who didn't want the help? Yeah, it's going to be a waste of time. Sometimes you just have to allow the situation to run its course. You may be trying to help someone who is heading a million miles in the wrong direction and there's a 10-foot thick brick wall ahead. And all you can do is be there to help them pick up the pieces. See, this felt pain is no small issue. 
The problem of pain in our world is one of the major reasons some today do not believe in the existence of God. But God says this to his people. He says, I know you're in a bad situation. And I know that you are looking at me. You are seeking me for my comfort. So he offers them strength and freedom. He can only do that because he's going to redeem them. See, God hears them, he responds, and he gives them a sign of his presence. Let's take a look at verses 3 through 6. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord, my people went down into Egypt to sojourn there and the Assyrians oppressed them for nothing. Now, therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing, their rulers well, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. God has given them a response. And he says, here I am. God is going to give them his presence. He's going to redeem them. The question is, why would he see it necessary to show up? Well, they all, he already said that the Assyrians were blaspheming his name. See, God alone validates his honor. We may sing praises to him, we may exalt him, but all that we do is just merely affirming the truth. All we do is simply affirm, but it is God alone who validates his honor. He does so by remaining faithful time after time after time, proving himself to be the God that he was yesterday, today, and forever, letting them know that he is the God from generations ago. And he's that same God today. Only he can validate his honor. So he's going to have to show up. He is the one who can give lasting comfort. They are in a place of captivity, and they won't get out if it's not by him. See, he alone is the one who shuts down injustice. You may be thinking, well, I support this ministry or I'm going out here, I'm marching here and there. That's all well and good. I encourage that. We should be out doing that. But injustices are not brought down. They are not brought to an end without God being in it. He is dispatching his people to go out with others and cause these places of injustice, these oppressors to be brought down. He is the one who's going to lead them out of that. See, he already did it back when he had Moses bring them out of Israel. 
You might be wondering, well, if he had Moses do it, how did he do it? Moses was a man used by God. Exodus 2 and 20 says that this is God speaking, and he says, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Psalms 33 and 10 says that he is the one who frustrates the plan of the enemy. And God is not happy with the injustice that his people are facing. And he pins this question in verse 5. What have I here? Anytime the triune God, the all-knowing God, asks a question, that's a red flag. God is making a point. And judgment is going to be a result. What have I here? Declares the Lord. See, the Bible tells us in Romans 12 that God is the one who brings vengeance. That, that vengeance belongs to him. He will repay. And justice is a sin just like any other sin, and it is against God. All sin is against God. And he has to show up to, to level the, the balance of justice. Something must be done for this oppression that his people are facing. And to make matters worse, they are blaspheming his name as if God's name is not holy. Those oppressors have a day of, a rec a day of reckoning coming. When we look at that passage four times, it speaks of God said. Thus says the Lord, declares the Lord. It's in verse 3, 4, and 5, and then it's punctuated in verse 6. The power of God's word cannot be taken for granted. It can't be reiterated enough. The idea here is for his people to take this to heart. We can take his word to heart. That's what we're supposed to do. Take his word seriously. He made them a promise, and this promise did not go into effect right away. It didn't go into effect two days later. It didn't go into effect two months later. It didn't even go into effect two years later. God wanted to let them know that in this time of waiting, be sure that I have co-signed on my own word. He wanted to let them know that I'm going to redeem you in this promise is backed by me. He wanted them to know this promise is certified. This promise is guaranteed. This promise is, is the promise I keep. He wanted them to know this is what I say. This is what I do. I am God. See, it, and it's tough to be in that place of waiting. See, their redemption is going to happen oh, at least 50 years from the time that he gives them this word. And all they can do is wait. One theologian said, God may not come when you want him, but when he shows up, he'll be on time. It may be midday or it may be midnight, but he's never late. See, he has a promise for his people. 
And it's a promise of redemption. A redemption that money cannot buy. That will not be broken by some deal with the captors. God is going to bring them out by his strength and his strength alone. He's going to take them to the land of peace and rest. And he alone is the one who can bring them to shalom. See, we too can trust that promise. We too can trust that promise. Because God wants the glory. He's not going to let them blaspheme his name. He's not going to let his people sit there and suffer year after year after year after year and just leave them there. He's going to stop the oppressor and he's going to redeem them. And he does it in his response. He lets them know that while you are waiting, this is the comfort, this is the hope that you have, that you can count on the day of redemption. See, look at verse 7. He tells them, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace and brings good, and brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. He's telling them, I'm not just coming to redeem you. I'm not coming just to give you a promise. I'm coming to make it happen. That I have the power and the authority to enforce this promise. See, it's going to happen. It's a sure thing already. God shows his mighty hand. He shows his strength by keeping his promise. See, that's how he validates who he is. That's how he validates his faithfulness. And he wants them to know there is no national army that can stop him. And because of that, they don't have to wait. They don't have to wait to rejoice. They can start to rejoice now. That's why he says, how beautiful are the feet that bring good news. Of course, that's not to say that people who are bringing good news have well manicured or pedicured feet. It's this idea of just waiting for news. Have you ever been in that place where you're waiting to get a call and it can go left or it can go right? Where you're waiting on pins and needles pacing the floor, waiting to get a phone call. And the phone rings and it's good news. It's news you wanted to hear. Sometimes it's that news of finding out that you, you have a baby. Or maybe you're, you're waiting on a verdict. You're waiting on a verdict to come through. And the judge comes back to say, the charges have been dropped. How beautiful is the judge that proclaims freedom? That's what the text is getting at. 
The pitter-patter of feet is a beautiful sound when they are bringing news that makes you glad. But let's get real. What about when the news is bad? News doesn't really feel good. Maybe the verdict is a life sentence. What about when you have been trying, and I mean giving it your all for three years, and the result is a closed door? Just another closed door. What do you do when God's response doesn't feel comforting? When it feels like he is not present. See, when we look at God's people here in this text, we can learn a few things because they had to wait. See, God comforts them with a promise. And he also gives them that waiting period. Sometimes God's response is just simply that, to wait. And if you know like I know, it is not easy to wait when you're in pain. But what did the people of God do? They began to seek his face, to cry out to the one who they know has the solution to their problem, to ask him, will you grant my request? They, they remember that you are the God who brought us out of Egypt, who opened up the Red Sea. See, that, that's something we can do. We can remind ourselves of the answers to prayer from the past. We can remind ourselves of the time that he's proven to be faithful. And what I like about what they did is that they waited in faithfulness. They waited. Really, that was the only option they had. But they didn't wait without comfort. They didn't wait without peace. Are you able to wait on God? It's a tough place to be in. It is a painful place to be in. But can you wait on God. Can you say to him, your will be done? I trust you. See, God allowed them to wait in his grace and in his wisdom. See, we can say that, we can say that we trust him because he really do reign. He does reign. He is the one who is in full, total, and complete control. And we can trust him because he reigns with love. He reigns with comfort for his people. See, there, there's a guy named Fon Hien. And he is a Bible translator in, during the uh, Vietnam War. He was a Bible translator during the Vietnam War, and he got captured because they found out that he was translating for the military, for the American military. They caught him, put him in prison. 
And while he was there, they shut him off from all uh, literature, anything that could be telling him what's going on outside, and anything that would talk about his faith. He was a Christian man translating the Bible and translating for the American government. And he was captured. And he spent over a year in captivity. And all the only literature he had was what they wanted him to have, communist, communist literature, Marxist literature. And over time, he started to deconstruct his faith. And he finally got to the point where he said, I'm not going to pray tomorrow morning. He said, I have prayed and prayed and prayed. And time and time again, nothing. Tomorrow I won't pray. When he got up the next day, his captors told him, you get to clean the toilets. And he had to clean up the, the paper and, and everything. It was disgusting. The smell was unbearable for him. But he said when he was cleaning out the trash can, he saw a piece of paper with human excrement on it. But he could see glimmers of English words. So he washed it off, put it in his pocket, did his work, and when he got back to his cell, he opened up the paper, and it was Romans chapter 8. I want, I want you to hear what it says. It says here, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. And what he found out is that every day he went to clean those latrines to clean those toilets he was finding more and more of the book of romans and when he was at his lowest he thought god was not there god let him know that i wouldn't let you out of my reach for even 24 hours the tears started to roll down his face as he read those words who would have known that comfort would have came to this captive in that way? God does has comfort, have comfort for his people. There is comfort for God's people because he reigns. What better news is there than the fact that God reigns? Our God reigns. That means comfort, peace, redemption. This is comfort for God's people. See, with these Israelites, what they were up against was captivity. And God promised them that I will redeem you. I will deliver you from the oppressor. But he's just not moving them from one place to another. He wants to redeem them spiritually. 
He's showing up in a way that is going to solidify their faith in the one who brings comfort. He's doing that for us today. He's proving himself faithful to us today. See, we exist here in the already and the not yet. One of my professors said, said it this way. He said, we exist in the already and more to come. I fell in love with that because we already taste some of who God is here. But we know there is going to be a, a even better, that there's even better that awaits us. See, we're living in the already and more to come. So on this side of heaven, we experience his comfort. But we know there's greater comfort to come. We taste his freedom, but we know there is greater freedom to come. We know that we are redeemed. But better redemption awaits us. See, the Father is so moved in his compassion that he brings comfort to his people who are hurting. His people who know that they are in pain. See, God hears our cries as we long for redemption. As we wait for that redemption to come. See, he's, he's going to bring us to that city where he will wipe all of our tears away, where we won't have to question his governance, where, where, the, where viruses won't affect our bodies, viruses won't even exist. Everyday worries of the world will be no more, where no enemy can invade. That is comfort for God's people. The, 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 the comforting news of salvation and redemption is the best comfort we can have. It's comfort here in life and comfort in death. This is comfort for the addict. It's comfort for the workaholic. It's comfort for those that are stressed and worn out. It's comfort for us all. But until we get there, we are his ambassadors. We sing and we rejoice. We herald the good news. We are his presence in a dying world. We are his comfort to a world that is in pain. And we get to tell them the good news of the gospel. We get to spearhead organizations that are going to secure and take care and uplift the family. We are running after oppressors. We are those that are going out to, to help put an end to injustices. We've spread the message of love and mercy. We get to tell them that the victory has already been won. Christ the King is the Redeemer of mankind. His death has satisfied. The demands for justice. Jesus Christ is our redeemer who has freed captives. Freed the captives of sin and shame and he welcomes them into his family. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know the pain that we face.
You are well aware of it. Father, will you give us what we need to turn to you, to rely on you? Father, we ask that you show yourself faithful. You are the all-powerful one. You do not change. So God, will you show yourself mighty, show yourself strong in our situation? We know that you reign. Father, give comfort to your people. In Jesus' name, amen.